Hey, this is Carrie Peters. And Stacey Morgenstern. And welcome to Better Than Ever, a Health Coach Institute podcast. Where we're here to question how we do life because the normal rules no longer apply. Hey, Better Than Ever podcasters. Hannah Duncan here from the Dream Team, welcoming you to our seventh episode this season. Today, I am thrilled to announce that we have our favorite fabulous legal coach, Lisa Fraley, here to talk to us about registering our businesses. But first, I wanted to share with you one of my favorite moments from HCI Live San Diego, featuring Judy Van Asher. You may recognize her voice from a couple cartoons. HCI Live Miami is May 18th through 20th. Make sure you reserve your tickets ASAP. I'll be there, Carrie and Stacy will be there, and we wanna meet you and hang out. So go to www.hcilive.com slash social and come join our tribe in Miami. Now to our HCI Live highlight. So Judy's been uh, a client of ours for, I don't know how many years ago we met. Um, Three years ago. Judy, I was thinking of you because they just did their first transformational coaching sequence. And so if you'd introduce yourself and would you share a little about how transformational coaching method has changed your life, impacted your life? (laughs) Judy, hi. You guys aren't as scary as it looks like. My first transformational coaching method sequence ever was with Stacy. Um, Within five minutes of that call, my entire life changed. No, really. (laughs) I went from not a working actor, hiding in my house, living on nachos, because that was really delicious. (laughs) And so easy. I'm a great hider. Um, To, I made over a million dollars this year. When you first started back then, what were you making back then? I made four hundred a month. Four hundred dollars. Dollars. Not four hundred thousand. No. Four hundred dollars a month. If I'm lucky. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And in three years now, you're making over a million dollars. Yeah. What? I'm shaking talking. You guys have never been up at the mic, so excuse me. But um, what do you think? What was the belief, or what was what changed for you in that coaching? that made that possible? I was ready for change. I really, really wanted it. Write that down, ready for change. (laughs) Um, So I was ready to be cracked open and you had me cracked open so wide. And it was beautiful to receive. And within three days of that call, I had the lead on two shows doing voiceover. Little kids, I do animation. And, And then within a month, I was gifted to be the head executive of that show. I got to hire all my friends, which was so much fun. And then after having this experience, I was like, holy crap, everybody needs to know about this work. So I'm now doing a documentary about all of this. And I have What's it called? It's called Truth Seeker. Truth Seeker. Because we're all truth seekers, right? Everybody here. I haven't had my happy dance yet because this is new, but I think I emailed these guys and said my lady balls dropped. (laughs) (laughs) Because um, it looks like we're going to have Obama in our film. I'm sorry, 
sorry, what? What did you say? Obama and Mrs. Obama. Wait a minute. That was not in the Balls email. Oh, really? No. Yeah. So that happened. No, I feel like the late... The, <laughs> oh, just The that. Lady Balls email was the million dollars. Okay. Well, yeah. So yeah, that that's... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yes. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. So I, I feel like my Lady Balls dropped a little bit there. So, yeah. It's been, it's been really interesting. Uh, I never expected any of this. I, the path, I never wanted to do a documentary. I love documentaries, but I never thought I would do one. And once you find this work, you become such an activist to help everyone you know have this work in their lives because it changes everything. And, yeah. What, I just one little piece that I guess is like sticking with me is like kind of, um, I remember when, Carrie and I were also on that road to our first like million dollars, like had that in, in my mind. And um, to be able to receive it. What allows you to be able to receive so big? Hmm. The ecology check that you did with me because I had a huge money block and I didn't know it. I wasn't conscious enough to know I had a block in the first place. And then realizing that the block was so deep that I could have never accessed it any other way. I went to counseling forever, and as an actor, you bleed on stage every day. You feel like you get your stuff out, but this was something I could have never seen. Um, and the thing that you tapped into just changed. What everything. is your belief about money now? I love it. You love it. I welcome it. <laughs> Me and money, we're friends. And yeah, and I think the more money I get, the, the more good I'll do. And so I'm not afraid of it anymore. And I can pay my rent, and that's good. And, and do a whole lot of good. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. We give her a spotlight. Spotlight. Hello, Better Than Ever podcasters. I'm joined today by my favorite legal coach and attorney, Lisa Fraley, to talk to us all about registering small businesses in prep for the dreaded tax season. So Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? Good. Thank you, Hannah, for having me. It's such a thrill to be able to talk to the HCI community, of which I've been a part of for years, five years. You've been with us for such a long time, and we are just thrilled to have you here again and, and excited when we get to see you at our events. Just real quick before we jump into the interview, can you talk to us about what exactly a legal coach does? <laughs> sure. <laughs> so back in 2011, I went to the um, a health coaching school and actually learned how to become a health coach. And then I connected with Carrie and Stacy and was hanging out my shingle as a health coach and was going through their spotlight program when Carrie actually said to me, um, Lisa, you know, you are a lawyer. You worked in a large law firm and you were a healthcare attorney. And so, you know, with all these health coaches coming to you and asking you for advice, why don't you pull this together? And at first, Han, I met myself with such resistance because um, I wasn't sure I wanted to go back to being a lawyer again. I wasn't. I didn't want to do it the old way, the big firm way. And working with Carrie in particular as my coach, I ended up 
in June of 2012, hanging out my shingle as a legal coach, where I help health coaches and other holistic entrepreneurs take really basic, easy legal steps um, for their business to protect themselves in a way that also brings in the heart and love and care of a coach. So I decided to call it a legal coach to combine my legal background with my coaching background. And there you have it. Oh, I love that. I love that Carrie was the one that brought you to that too. She was. She's a smart lady. <laughs> she is. She saw it. She's like, Lisa, I see you as a business coach. And I was like, no, no, I'm a health coach. I'm a health coach. And she was like, well, there should be a way that you can combine the two. And then because all my, my um, health coaching classmates were like, what do we do? How do we protect ourselves? How do we register a business? We have no idea what to do. And traditional lawyers don't really understand us, but you totally get us because you are one of us. So that's what kind of um, helped me bring it all together and call myself a legal coach. Wonderful. Well, that's great. And thank you for giving us a little insight into your world. Let's jump into this. We've got a lot of students who are just starting out registering and, and creating their businesses. So why do you need to register your small business? I get asked this question all the time, Hannah. And because you know, when you're starting off, there's so many aspects of your business that you're working on. You're building your website and starting your programs and getting really clear on who your ideal client is. And um, there's so much going on that people sometimes forget the step to register their business. And what I always tell people is that the time to register your business is once you're making income. Right? So maybe you've gone from your practice clients and you now have your signature program or maybe your first step, maybe you're using your programs from HCI and you're out into the world and you're actually charging clients and now you have money, which is great. But now is the time to register your business because you do have to report that income and pay taxes on that income, even if it's not very much income. You still want to set yourself up right at the very beginning and file your paperwork and pay your taxes and just get yourself ready to go in an official way. Say I'm in BHC right now and I've got my webpage up and I'm just working with practice clients, but I am seeking potential paying clients. Do you think that that is the time to register? You're saying just when you have income, but what if I have all of this yeah. stuff set up? Right. So you want to be keeping track of all of the expenses that you've paid to set your business up. There's no question about that. But the reason why you, and I, I mean this lovingly, but when we're all investing into our business and spending money and investing in BHC and investing in websites and investing in graphic designers and I mean, all kinds of things, really until we're making money, we just have a very expensive hobby initially, right? Because we are spending money. We're not making it yet. So it's when you start making money that you actually need to start worrying about your taxes because when you start bringing in that income, you want to balance it out with your expenses and your accountant can help you with that. And I know that you had an accountant on um, the podcast who went through some of that information perhaps around expenses and income. But what you want to do in terms of registering your business is that it's not until you have both the income and the expenses that you're actually operating as a business. Prior to that, you're investing in creating a business, but you don't, if you don't have clients, you don't have a business yet. So once you start having paying clients, then you have income that you need to report um, to the government so that you can take that into consideration for your taxes. Uh, and so that's when it's time to work with your accountant, get it all figured out and, you know, get really clear about what you might owe in taxes, what income you've brought in, what expenses you have, what deductions you can take and um, get your finances all set up. 
All right. And so when people are first registering their businesses, what mistakes do you see people making as they are going through this process? Yeah. So what I think, again, it gets really confusing as to when you should do that registration of your business. And people get confused about where and how they register their business, right? So what I want to tell people is that the first place to register your business is locally. You want to contact your city or your town, or if you don't live in a town, you might live in a municipality or in a like an area that's zoned, like maybe it's just your county. You don't live in a city limit. That's totally fine too. You want to look at your county level and you can go on their websites um, and find out how you register your business in that city, town, municipality, locality, wherever you are county, et cetera. And what will happen is they'll usually have you fill out a form or sometimes multiple forms and you'll pay a small fee. It's not very expensive. It's usually maybe a hundred bucks. Like it's not crazy expensive, but it's important that you do it because in some towns and cities, you have to pay local taxes. You'll be paying your state taxes and your federal taxes, just like you probably do now with the income that you make in your day job, or maybe, um, you know, the income that you're making through your health coaching business. But you also have to register your business locally. And that's the place to do it because you will be basically informing the state and the federal government about it when you file your state and federal taxes. What do you need to gather to prep yourself for the registration process? Great question. So <laughs> That's a great question. So it really depends on what the city or town requires. So usually because it is a local level where you start to register your business, it's not really crazy complicated. Um, you just fill out your form. If, you're, if you are operating yourself by holding out your shingle, you're called a sole proprietor. Okay. You're automatically called the sole proprietor, solopreneur, but the legal term is sole proprietor. And what that means is that you and your business are one and the same. So you're not separate from your business in any way. If you had an LLC or an S corporation created, which is a totally separate legal business entity, then you'd be separate from your business. But as a sole proprietor, you are your business. You and your business are one and the same. So that means that when you're registering at the local level, you usually have to um, show them that you have a business. You usually have to just report to them that you're starting a business. Um, you don't usually have to provide a lot of paperwork, maybe like a copy of your driver's license or passport, depending on the city. But you're basically declaring to them, hey, listen, I am a new business owner. I'm getting ready to go here. I have some clients. I have some income. I need to report it to you. You need to know that it's official. And then they'll be able to, um, you know, charge you whatever fees they need to charge and you'll pay taxes on that income. Not every place charges locally, but for example, where I live, I get charged personal property taxes from my office. And since I work from my home, it's great because what does my office consist of? A computer, a phone, a printer, and like some file cabinets. So I just pay taxes on my personal property used in my business. And so it's like 30 bucks a year or something. It's not very expensive. Um, and that's for having a multi six-figure business. So sometimes your local taxes are just, they're not crazy expensive by any means, but you do need to report them and you need to, do need to pay them and you do need your local government to know that you have a business. In your time as a legal coach, what are things that you see your clients, before they're working with you, of course, uh, what, are, what are things that you see stakes that they're making while filing their taxes? Great question. So... A couple of mistakes that you can avoid very easily is number one, you want to make sure you're keeping a spreadsheet of your expenses and your income. You can get fancy and use like QuickBooks or FreshBooks or something like that or Zero, but 
I, I even like old fashioned Excel spreadsheets where you're keeping track of who's paying you, what's, what it's for, the date they paid you, um, the amount that they paid you, any notes that you want to take and same for your expenses. What was your expense for? Where was the, who was the vendor? What, what purpose was it for? How much did it cost? What was the date that you bought it? Keeping really accurate financial spreadsheets from the very beginning and keeping all your receipts, Hannah, is so important um, because especially when you're, you're engaging in so many expenses at the start of your business, you're able to take those expenses and, and counter them to your income and that can reduce your taxes. You are allowed to um, have startup costs for your business before you even make income and you're allowed to use that. Uh, as a part of your tax calculation, but you need to show and operate as a business owner, officially keeping income records, expense records, and keeping your receipts. That's huge. The second thing I would say that I recommend for sole proprietors is because how I mentioned you and your business are legally one and the same entity, what happens is that you pay your taxes in April like everyone in the country, pretty much. Um, and you will want to then be saving for your taxes throughout the year. And that gets really tricky, right? Because if the April comes and you haven't been saving for your taxes for your business all year prior to that, people are like scrambling under their couch cushions and like turning in all their coins and like trying to figure out how they're going to be able to pay their taxes. So what I recommend is that as you go, you want to take a fourth to a third of whatever income you make that month and actually go to your bank and open up a separate banking account just for taxes. You want to have a business banking account for your business, like an operating account. But you also want to have a second account that I just label taxes. And so every month, you're going to take a fourth to a third of your gross income, the total amount you've received from your clients, and you want to put it into that taxes account and not touch it. That way, by the end of the year, you have all of that money saved and you're able to pay your taxes with ease. You may not even need all of it. You may have some extra. You may owe a little bit, but it, it makes it so much easier and so much less pressure to plan ahead by keeping really good records of your income and expenses and then having that separate taxes account and taking a fourth to a third of your income every month and putting it in that taxes account and not touching it. What a good idea. I hope that you are all writing this down and prepping <laughs> yourselves to go set up that extra bank account. That is so smart. And then that way you can't touch it. Like it's labeled for taxes only. So it's not money that you're accidentally dipping into. It's separate. You're not seeing it. That's Exactly. You take it off the top and then you, um, you just pretend you don't have it. Just like you said, Hannah. Exactly. Perfect. I love that. And if I've learned anything from the interview with Allison Castle and you, it's to stay organized during yes. the season. So be organized, be organized, be organized. I've, I've heard this enough and, and you both have stressed this. So I, I am definitely learning to <laughs> be a little well, smarter on that end. And you know what? It's hard because at the beginning, like we said, you know, there's so many things that you're thinking about, but you can even take a shoebox or like some random file cabinet or file folder or envelope and just put all your receipts in it. Like mm -hmm. every time you get a receipt, just put it in one place, even starting with that. And then once a month going through those receipts and writing them on your spreadsheet or keeping a folder on your computer for any electronic receipts that you have and just pulling them all in there. And then once a month, write it on your calendar to go in and actually do your balancing and do your recording of your expenses. It, you will save so much time in the long run. I still do this every month. I should be hiring out my financial part, but because 
my financial story is actually a lot like Carrie's is that she shares very openly. And I got myself into a lot of debt when I was young, when I worked at the law firm and made a lot of money. I also did a lot of shoe shopping at Nordstrom and it was a bad (laughs) idea. But um, over the past few years, I cleaned up all of my debt. And obviously now I'm living a very balanced, financially healthy lifestyle. But for a long time, you know, I need to, I ignored my money and I need to keep my hands in my money. I need to know what's going on. I need to myself add to my income spreadsheet and expense spreadsheet and handle my receipts and move my money to taxes. Like I need to still do all of that to make sure that I'm continuing to heal that money story and keep myself in a good place. So it doesn't matter how much money you're making in your business. These are really good principles for everyone to apply so that you can stay organized, stay legal, stay (laughs) consistent, and set up good practices that are going to carry you through the rest of your business. Absolutely. So we're we're talking about receipts and keeping our receipts. I'm personally a receipt hoarder. Like I'm the <laughs> I used to. I um, <laughs> well, you're not gonna love what you're about to hear. Oh, okay. <laughs> I would like. I'm like. Oh, I need to keep this receipt, and so I put it at the bottom of my big purse. And then, you know, after a while, it all gets like crumbled together. Sometimes it fades and I'm like, I'm going to go through those and look at them later. And I actually had to start putting like a plastic bag in my purse to put all my receipts in because I would just let them like loosely fly around and it it would drive me crazy. One, because they were super disorganized and two, I would, I would lose them easily. And so I'd be like, yes, that receipt. But I love that plastic bag idea. That's a great idea. And I'm Glad you shared that with people because listen, you guys, we're not looking for sophisticated things here. Like whatever, my husband has a, we have a crystal bowl on for his, he works from home too for his business. He has a big, giant, beautiful crystal bowl sitting on the corner of his desk. And that's where he just puts all his receipts. Like Mm. it doesn't matter what it is or where you put them, just throw them in one place and keep them together and then actually be um, disciplined enough to put it on your calendar to once a month, go through and reconcile all of that and make sure they're all on your spreadsheet. Learning how to start early—that's that's a big one because that's that's very easy to push it off and say, "Oh, I'll get to it next month." Or, or tax season for six months, and but and when you realize <laughs> you're going to save money, most likely because the, especially for things that you you do your business expenses for, you'll save money because you can actually take those as expenses, which count against your income in terms of potentially reducing your tax burden. So when you think, ah, saving this receipt could equal saving money, then a lot of people actually start paying attention to it more. So we're we're talking about saving money. Let's talk about my favorite thing. What are some deductible items that people forget about being Mm -hmm. small business owners? Yeah. Any favorites? Absolutely. And obviously, Allison probably gave you a nice, huge laundry list. And I always say I'm not an accountant. I am a lawyer giving you general information to help you in your practice. You definitely want to talk to your own accountant to make sure that you're covering all of the potential deductions that you can take. But there are so many that we are lucky enough to do. Some of the big ones, of course, are obvious things like office supplies, things like signing up for BHC, things like conferences that you go to, your airfare, your food at the conference or when you're traveling, you can take, you want to write it on your spreadsheet. That actually has a slightly different tax ramification, but make sure you just write it down, save your receipts from your food while you're doing things related to work. Um, And that's not just eating at your desk in your own office, obviously. It has to be like with the client or out at a conference or something like that. You can also deduct your mileage when you drive to a mastermind or you drive to a local conference or you drive to the airport to get on the plane to go to an HCI conference. 
Um, you can also deduct your mileage. I didn't know this until recently, actually. If you're driving down the, to the mall to Staples to get your office supplies, you can deduct your mileage for that. Now, make sure you're doing it for work. You can't just go to the mall and go shopping. But if you're going to do an errand for work, you can actually deduct that mileage too. And you know what? There's a lot of apps out there that make it really easy for you to track your mileage. You just press the app when you get in your car and then you press it again to, to stop when you get to your destination and it will calculate that for you. So that's a really handy tool for a lot of people who aren't really great at recording their mileage or who don't like to record their mileage. That's a super easy way to do it. I didn't so know about that. Great. Yeah, that's I know. Awesome. <laughs> I'm going to download that now. That's great. I know. You just have to remember to turn it on and remember to turn it off. But other than that, <laughs> so those are fairly obvious. But also, if you work in a home office, that's 100% dedicated to being a home office. Okay. So, you know, like when I started out, I just used the guest room of our home. It had a bed in it. It had, you know, a nightstand. When our guests would stay, they would stay in that room. That's not considered a dedicated home office. That's considered a guest room with a desk in it. So once, you know, I got my business going full time, we moved the bed out. Now I have this third guest room is just a, an office. You can take an office deduction for that and you use the square footage of your office measured against the square footage of your house. And you can take portion, um, I'm, I'm imagining that um, Allison talked about this too, but you can take mm -hmm. a portion of your heating, your air conditioning, your electricity, your phone bill, your cell phone bill, your internet. Um, you can take a portion, if you have clients who come to your home, you can take a portion of your yard work, your yard supplies, like your snow removal, like all this stuff, like who knew, right? But you do have to follow the law. And a lot of times people will say, well, how are they ever going to know if I have a guest bedroom, you know, a bed in my guest bedroom in my office? Do you know that the IRS will and can go knock on your door to come look at your office? The local IRS field agents can come and knock on your door and come up and see your office if they suspect that something's fishy. So please, please, please do all of this with integrity and on the up and up because you could be tracked, but also because energetically, it's the right thing to do. Um, but your home office can, can also contribute to your savings once you have dedicated space to do, to do your work, which is awesome. Yeah, that's a great perk, especially for us work from homers. That's wonderful. Exactly. <laughs> To wrap this up, what is the number one thing that you will tell small business owners to do to start prepping themselves for next year's taxes? Mm -hmm. So since we're at the beginning of the year, it's just the beginning of March now, go back to the beginning of January of this year and find any receipts, dig in your purse like Hannah used to do, go <laughs> look in your coat pockets, look in your car, look in your wallet, go start creating some place to collect all those receipts. Go on your computer, create a folder for receipts or something so that you can pull anything that you purchase from Amazon or wherever, uh, Staples Online or wherever you do your, your shopping, your office supply shopping, pull those receipts into a file. And then I want you to right now go to your calendar and mark out two hours every single month um, preferably towards the end of the month because you're going to want to do it when you get to near the end of the month so you can record or even the very like the first day or second day of the, the month that comes after so you can reconcile the month before and put that time on your calendar. You'll be so glad you did. Like Saturday, I will be sitting down for at least two hours going through all my finances from February and reconciling them exactly the way that I'm telling you. 
I will look at all my expenses, all my in- income. I will reconcile it with, I have my virtual assistant pull my reports from PayPal and pull my reports from Stripe. She pulls my reports from Simplera, which is the online platform that I use for people who buy my, my legal templates and courses. And I will sit down and reconcile all of that for February and make sure that everything's reported properly, that it's all good to go, that it's we're, we're matching, everything's matching and lining up. And then I will move that one third to one fourth over into my taxes account so that I'm all set for February. So I'm telling you exactly what I do in my own business and I will be doing it tomorrow myself. <laughs> oh, you are so beautifully organized. I want to be you when I grow up. You have to be, <laughs> you have to be. And if you start making it a habit, it gets easier. You know, I've been doing this for like five years, but it's so much easier when it's just a part of your routine and it feels really good. You know, for those of us who are healing our money stories on any level, which most of us are, you know, it feels really good to honor yourself and your money this way. You honor your business, you honor yourself, you honor your hard work, and you honor the people who've invested in you and the investment you're making in yourself by taking this time and like literally loving your, I'm all about legal love, but this is like money love. This is about like loving your money up and loving your business up. Um, and that good energy and goodwill and gratitude, I think also helps to make it grow in the future. So it's a multi-purpose activity, save money in taxes for sure, register your business and get organized and make it official legally, but also energetically just loving it up and, and helping yourself, um, feel good and honor where you are right now, where you are right now is perfect. You're exactly where you're supposed to be and just really send positive energy to your money um, and your finances. And I believe it helps make it grow in the future. Thank you so much, Lisa, for joining us today. And for those of you listening out there, if you are relating to her, because you can tell she is a coach, she knows a little something, something about legal advice. So if you'd like to learn a little bit more about her and her programs, you can go to www.lisafraley.com. And on April 11th, she is releasing a book titled Easy Legal Steps That Are Good for Your Soul. And you can pre-order it for 99 cents. Is that right? 99 yes. cents? Holy yeah. cow. So 99 cents at lisafraley.com slash book. Again, that is April 11th, Easy Legal Steps That Are Good for Your Soul by Lisa Fraley. So thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me, Hannah. And thank you to everyone listening for the work that you're doing as a health coach and for helping so many clients in the world live better, healthier, happier lives. So thank you so much. Lots of love to all of you. Thank you. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to Better Than Ever, a Health Coach Institute podcast. For more information on our programs, please go to www.healthcoachinstitute.com. Comment and share if you like what you hear.